It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting, truly exciting episode of Goat Gab here today. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron Jodlowski. I'm your other co-host, Laura Warren Hughes. I'm so happy to be here with you all and with Cameron this week. Um, It's been a long week and a little bit more of a gap between our episodes than what we really like. So thank you to our listeners for being patient with us and... uh, uh, we sure hate it when life gets in the way of getting out our goat gab on a regular basis, but um, here's to trying to do that more regularly. And I will take the full blame for it because it's just been kind of crazy in my world a little bit, but we're so glad to be here. And uh, uh, Cameron, I know you've been really busy too. You've got babies on the ground to play with. Yeah. So uh, one thing I want uh, our listeners to remember is we are our first goat uh, enthusiasts and secondly, we are podcasters. So um, if we miss a day or, or miss a week, we do apologize for that. We don't. We have the best intention to get episodes out on a timely manner. However, as Laura said, life, professional obligations, um, go farm obligations, family obligations get in the way of really wanting to get it out on a consistent time frame. So we do apologize. However, um, we're just we're, we're oftentimes flying by the seat of our pants because we're trying to figure out. Uh, which way is up, especially me. Um, but yeah, Laura, uh, back to what you said. Um, we have been busy. It's been kind of nice. I will tell you that um, milking four goats is a blessing. Um, we don't even have the pasteurizer out yet. We um, don't even like we don't even have the machine out. Everything's getting milked by hand. Chores still take roughly minus milk cooking, you know, 30, 25, 30 minutes ish. So it's it's kind of nice. However, um, we are wow, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, however, we know we are looming on not. I don't want to say baby getting, but I know that it's going to be like milk again because we'll have to get the machine out um, after our next group. So um, and and that's coming next week for us. Wow, very fun. Well, we are. I mean, we are just eager and ready. And, um, my first does are due the first and second of March. And, um, I've been trying to figure out if, you know, I'm comfortable letting that just go until possibly that first weekend in March, or if I want to go ahead and induce for next weekend. And, um, I have been called up for jury duty. So, um, which I'm really excited about. I've never gotten to do it before and I've always wanted to do jury duty. So, um, just trying to figure out how that's going to work <laughs> with the goats too. So uh, anyway, we are really eager for baby goats. And whoa, 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 we're going to talk about this. Your jury duty. What do we do? Do we have a synopsis of the case yet? What do, what do you know? I kind of, is it a murder mystery in Chillicothe, Missouri? Oh, uh, we've had murders in Chillicothe. I don't think so. I don't think that it is. I mean, it's been a while, but um I, I don't have any idea what's on the docket and I don't think I'm supposed to look. So I'm not, I just know that I have to present um, Wednesday morning at eight 30 without a phone or a purse or anything. 
and uh, show up for my first day of jury duty. So I'm kind of excited about it. I think it'll be kind of fun. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm excited. Thank you for, thank you for doing this. <laughs> well, you're welcome. It's just funny that, you know, I'm 54 years old. I've never had, I've never been called up for jury duty before. So I'm, I think it will be kind of fun. But uh, anyway, this weekend, Elizabeth and I got, got all the kidding supplies put together and uh, purchased and have all the uh, Lambers, you know, put together and see, you know, what, what supplies I might need to reorder. It always seems like you think that you've got plenty at the end of the year and then you start getting the nipples out on the Lambers and um, you realize that you need to replace them because they're kind of chewed up or broken or whatever. And um Anyway, we're just, we're, we've got the pin ready and we're hanging out just waiting for babies. So you're doing better than us because we didn't even have the pen ready. I mean, they lived in the basement for the first five days and I got back from Ohio, which is uh, last time we recorded. And oh my God, Lord, I'm not even kidding. The house smelled so bad from those babies sitting downstairs. And I was, I just looked at my wife and she's like, I've already got my clothes on. We're getting this done. We worked till about 10 o'clock at night that night. Um, putting that dang pen together, but it was so nice to have that smell out of my basement. Well, and you, you know, it always feels good to know that the babies are warm and protected, but yeah, then they get to that point where like, okay, my house smells like a barn and I don't want that anymore. So I, I get it. So good for you guys. And has the weather been warm? Yeah. Um, so we're kind of in that, I like to call it the freeze thaw, freeze thaw, freeze thaw. Um, which just really lends itself to the season of mud, which is again, all of Uh my opinion is just mud farming. Um, and we were at, as at a meeting today here with some fellow dairy goat enthusiasts and, um, we, we, there was a lot of talk about the freeze thaw here. So, uh, some days it's good. Some days it's not. I will tell you that I prefer the freeze rather than the thaw. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I hate mud. I agree with you. So like I, I, other than, I mean, the temperatures have been nice. I mean, we're going to next week, we're going to actually, we have some friends coming up um, and visiting us next weekend. And um, we have baby goats coming and my brother's coming to clean our barn as well. So uh, a nice little busy week, uh, week ahead and of, of planning for that. And then putting up new pens that we got here last weekend as well. So um, finally the barn will start to kind of feel like a barn. Well, that's awesome. And wow, what a nice brother to come up and clean a barn for you. Yeah, yeah. he gets to run the skid steer and then he gets a nice prime rib dinner afterwards. So um, I think most people would choose to to come run the skid steer and, and uh, eat prime rib afterwards. So yeah. Well, yeah, I would say so. That's a, that's a lot of fun. Cool. Yes. Uh, Laura, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the circuit. It's been a hot minute since we kind of updated that. What are some of our updates on the circuit? So we know that every we've had great feedback. So we're excited that you all are as excited about we as we are, right, Cameron? Yeah. And um, so we're uh, we've been asked if we could like put together some type of a little flyer or a little blurb that you could include in your um, show materials that go out when you're advertising a show. So um, I'm going to try to get on that this week and get that done. And uh, we're going to get the forms up on the goat gab Facebook page. So those of you that um, are starting to hit shows and so forth, you can start recording your points and, and get those turned in. So we're really excited about that. So we do have a website that is available and you can go ahead and look at that. 
Uh, the form is actually on the GoatGab website uh, if you go under that link there. So um, super easy to find as well there. Just search GoatGab. Um, I think it's a Weebly site, so pretty easy to navigate as well there. So you can download that farm form right now, um, and you could start um, tabulating points, as I know there have been some shows already in the state of Florida. Yeah, gosh. It's hard to think, though, Cameron, like – for for most of the rest of the year or most of the rest of our listeners, not our amazing friends in Florida, show season is just around the corner. I I mean that's it's not too far off. I know. I was when I was judging the Florida State Fair last week, though it, it was great. Had a great time. Um it um was it was quite interesting because they were complaining that it was so cold. It was like 65 degrees, and I was there with my long sleeve shirt and my vest, and I thought, man, if every goat show was like this, this would be so nice. Uh, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. As, yeah, I think I can handle that. As goat show season ramps up, though, I do want to go on a little rant here because, Laura, this is our podcast, and we can go on rants. Um, sure. W- one thing – that we need to keep in mind as exhibitors, uh, as we're going to go shows, the goat world is an incredibly small, small community. If you think about those people with goats and then those people with dairy goats and those people that show dairy goats in an area, that is a very small, small world. And even though the internet seems like it, it's such a, a big world, it is important to know that um, it, it is a small world. One thing that happened recently was I was judging and I had a couple exhibitors before the show friend me, try, try to friend me on Facebook. Now, as judges, we talk about that um, in our judges training conferences and we say, hey, we really need to be judicious about our social media usage there. Um, and so I'm going to put a challenge out to exhibitors to not only um, be judicious in their social media, but just to realize the ramifications of, of, of what those things as well. I had an exhibitor that tried to add me on Facebook. They had um, very nice goats, I will say. They did very, very well with that goat show I judged as well. Not because we were friends on Facebook. I didn't even choose to add them on Facebook. It was because they just had nice goats. However, it is not the perception. It is not the uh, the evil we need to worry about, but it is the perception of evil we need to worry about in this world that is highly scrutinized. So, Remember that as we go to our goat shows, we see who's judging. It's so important. And I will recommend that you do not ever add a judge on social media the day before the goat show. So what about later on? Like, like what if somebody shows under you and thinks you're really a cool guy? Cause you are, and that uh, they'd like to know more about you or more about your goats or whatever. Is that okay after the show? After the show, completely fine. I'll be friendly, whatever we want. However, before the show is unacceptable. Again, it is, in my opinion, again, it is not the it is not the evil we need to worry about. It is the perception of evil. The Doug Thompson quote that we love to quote here. Um, it, it's just important to be mindful of that as well. And it was not just one exhibitor; it was a couple exhibitors that, that friended me on Facebook before the goat show, and I was not happy. That's interesting. Um. You know, assuming good intent, I'm sure there wasn't anything diabolical about it, but I can see where, you know, that, that does put everybody in a bad position there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my little public service announcement. I didn't, I didn't get as ranty as I thought I would, but I I did go on a little bit of a rant. (laughs) 
Well, rant rantiness is okay. That's all yeah. right. Okay. Um, you know, can, so wait a minute before we go further, I want to get my little rant out of the way. Okay, okay. you go, girl. Slight so, um, this is this is my rant for today. I think one of the exciting things about um, kidding season and, you know, breeding plants and so forth is just the fact that there's so much promise ahead. You know, you can look at a, a specific breeding and, and look at somebody else's sales sales list or what their breeding list and say, oh my gosh, I think that I really want this. You know, every breeder likes to talk about their animals and it doesn't it, it never bothers. Like, I don't think it bothers breeders to, to discuss pedigrees or things like that, but don't be a perpetual tire kicker. And what I, what I mean by that is if you call somebody and talk to them about their animals and they spend the time to, to go through it with you, but then you never get back to them and say, you know what? I just want to let you know, I appreciated your time. We decided to go with another, with another breeding elsewhere or you know, I've just decided this isn't the year for me or whatever. Give some closure to those conversations because it's never fun thinking that you might have something sold and then just hanging out there forever and not getting it. And, and, you know, people, I hear people complain sometimes that, um, you know, well, I told them I was interested in that animal and they went ahead and sold it really the best way that to show that you're interested in an animal is to go ahead and send that deposit. Um, don't, don't piddle and wait around and, and leave people waiting to guess what your intentions are. Be very, um, be very definitive and uh, proactive with what, what you're intending to do. That's my rant today. Yeah. Oh, that is a super good rant there and all good information to know as one of the, uh, most perpetual tire kickers, but I'd only kick the tires um, from about like October to December because I don't want to get any like false hopes up or say, well, I don't know, maybe, meh. But I always like closure in those conversations as a seller and as a buyer as well there because I, again, I don't want to leave somebody hanging out because that's just not, it's not cool for lack of better right. terms. Right. And, and, you know, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter on what level you're buying or buying or selling. Just, just be a courteous, be a courteous person and let people know what your intentions are and go from there. End of yep, rant. Absolutely. Well, we, I do, it is our podcast. We can rant if we want. As Cyrus <laughs> would say. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. That's all I'm singing today, guys. That's it. <laughs> Well, on that note, Laura, um, sing us on into any ad good news that is out there. Oh, crying. No, 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 no. Sorry. Didn't mean that. Um, ad good news. So um, voting for our national show judges needed to be done by February the 13th. So that um, that should be over and done with if you did choose to use mail i think as long as it was postmarked by the 13th they'll go ahead and accept that but hopefully hopefully most people took advantage of the online um voting i found it very easy to do did you vote online cameron yeah well so uh i voted online my wife voted via the mail um i i 
sat we sat down one day and I said, "Here's the ballot, honey. Here's the other ballot. We'll put these in the mail here together because you could put it, you commingle them in the same envelope uh, for the constitutional bylaw um, one." So we did that and sent that in and was good to go there. Um, so we and I, but I chose to do the national show voting online uh, because that was super slick. Oh gosh, I thought it was just incredibly easy and just really nice. So, um. Anyway, good, yeah. good to get that done. And the same thing, um, you know, you mentioned the voting for the Constitution and bylaws changes. Those also had to be postmarked by the 13th. So um, hopefully you got that in. It's so important. And it's just like voting for president. If you don't step up and vote, it's really hard to um, complain about it. So um, we'll see. We'll see what comes out with all of this. A couple things to keep in the back of your head as we move into registering kids season. I know I ordered my first DNA kit um, last week, so I'm excited for, for that. Um, and all of my butt kids I'll be selling this year will be DNA and Sire verified, so that's always exciting. Um, but remember, in the NG software, we're still working through a lot of limitations. Um, buttons haven't been programmed right yet, and and you know we're still working through a lot of things. However, it seems like they may be making some progress. Uh, one one thing, though, we do want our listeners to do is if you're having issues with NG, one thing is that when you register kids, make sure you do them one at a time. We've seen warnings on never to use that register from same litter button um, or same kidding or, or group button there. Um, again, we don't recommend doing that, but but that's that's what we've seen on the internet. So. Um, and one other thing as well is make sure your address and phone numbers and emails are correct in your profile before you start registering. So being able to change that information and getting that updated so you can have the appropriate documentation after every transaction. I also would like to share something too, Cameron, and, and I'd like you to weigh in on your thoughts on this. But if you are an experienced breeder and you're selling animals, especially to somebody that's new, but I would say to anybody at this point, please take the time to go ahead and register those animals online through NG and transfer them to their new buyer, if at all possible. It seems like, you know, it, it may be a little bit more of a cost to do that. You can always pass that cost on to the, to the buyer. There's that option through NG that the buyer pays for the transfer. But in this day and age, helping our newer members, especially to get registered animals just seems like a kind thing to do that really doesn't cost a whole lot of time or money. So I, I really would, would like, like to ask everybody to think about doing that if at all possible. Yeah. I mean, if you want to build in that application fee to your price, you're, you're definitely welcome to as well there. I mean, there are ways to do that. And, and we've been doing that for years that we will, well, we, we used to do that only for does. Now we do that for does and bucks, obviously. Um, but we just send them with a blank application and then the whole NG thing. And we're like, well, it's just, we would rather make sure that it's done for the for the buyer, right? And the paper's out rather than, than deal with sending them with an application and seeing it go through. Especially as we've seen some of those late applications just get processed within the last couple of months. Right. It, you know, again, if it's something that you can do and, and there are always, there are always situations that you, you're not able to do that. Like perhaps the person that you're selling to doesn't have an ADGA membership. Well, if that's the case, 
If you can and you have time, sit down elbow to elbow with them. Help them to sign up for that membership and and get that and and show them how you're able to successfully register animals and and maybe maybe wait and transfer once they get their membership number if that's a possibility for you. But just anything that we can do as experienced breeders to help to help people get through just seems to make a lot of sense to me, you know? I agree. I I agree there. I, yeah, that's the that's a good topic there. Um, Laura, I know we've got another question. However, I think we should pause and I think we should continue on with the main topic. I think we should too. Let's do it. Okay. Well, we'll pick it up on another day because that was our enlightening conversation we had last night at, at 930, which who doesn't text their goat friends at 930 enlightening conversations? Agreed. If you don't, that's the kind of friend that you need. Oops. That kind of gets <laughs> to our topic, doesn't it? That does. We're going to be talking about building your team and building a winning team nonetheless. So the people that you need on your team in order to be successful in your dairy goat enterprise and um, people that you really want in order to help you along this journey. And I know Laura echoes this a lot of times on the podcast is you don't do goats alone. Don't you agree? Oh yeah. It's not, it's, it's not a solo project or if it is, man, that's gotta be lonely. Cause I, you know, who understands goat people better than your goat friends? Mm-hmm. So Laura and I are going to do this snake draft style. For those of you, including Laura, that have never heard of a snake draft, um, it will be um, one of us will go first and have the first overall draft. Then the next person will go, and the next person will have the third pick. So you will have one. Laura will have number one. Cameron will have two and three. Laura will have four and five, and so on and so forth. And we're kind of doing this off the cuff a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I don't know who Cameron's team. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you do know who number one, my number one team, number one person on my team will be because we've talked about it already. But (laughs) Laura, I want to know who your one, who is your first overall draft pick and winning team here. Okay. My very first draft pick that I don't think you can have a team if you don't have that is getting a good mentor. I feel like that's where it all needs to start. Okay. Not one v one, and and that's that. You think in the mentor is where you need to start here. Uh, what 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 advantages do you have? Of kind of a mentor being your number one pick. Well, um, I'm a big believer in that old saying: "You don't know what you don't know." And so, I think back to my very first goat that I bought, and I bought him because he was cute. He was on the bottle. He had long white floppy ears. And the sweetest little soulful eyes I've ever seen. Um, all reasons in my head that were great reasons to bring that goat home. Um, it was when I got a mentor who talked to me about what my goals were and what I wanted out of dairy goats and encouraged me to look beyond the cute soulful eyes and white long floppy ears that I learned um, there's more to goats than, than what tugs on your heartstrings. And so I feel like if you don't have a good mentor who can help, help you develop your eye, help you understand principles of breeding, things like, um, inbreeding and line breeding and, um, genetic selection and production and all of those things that go into dairy goats, you're really behind the eight ball and, and it's hard to put together a winning team. 
Oh yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly there. Um, I guess, where do you recommend starting about finding, and I know we talk about this idea of mentorship all the time, but I never know where to go and what do mentors, what does it look like to even be a mentor or be a mentee? You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a good question, Cameron, because, you know, I, I know that professionally, you know, almost any business that you look at now talks about the importance of having mentors and mentees, you know, being somebody who is, who is shapeable, who has that, that curiosity, that feeling of learning that I want to learn, that I don't know everything and there's so much more to learn and being teachable and coachable. You know, we, we see that in all walks of life, whether you're um, on a football team, uh, excuse me, go Kansas city chiefs or um, you know, you're coaching your son's softball team. You gotta be, you gotta be coachable. You you have to have people who want to learn. So be somebody who's open-minded and able to listen to things. And as far as where to find a good mentor, um, sometimes you just have to ask, you know, reach out to a dairy, you know, watch and observe and see who in your dairy goat world, whether that's at shows, whether that's through your local local um, dairy goat like state association or somebody that you really admire their animals, tell them that you're that that you are interested in learning from them and ask them, would you be willing to mentor me? And you know, a mentor doesn't have to be a lifetime position. It doesn't have to be something that lasts forever until you just get sick of each other. It usually should be an intentional invent. Um, an intentional relationship though, where you look at somebody and, and you think, okay, this person is teachable and I'd like to work with them. Cameron, I bet you've had mentors in your business life, correct? Yeah. I would say in my business world, I've had mentors and I work with one of mine right now. And um, I will tell you that the biggest thing, wh- whether you want to call it mentorship or you want to call it a sounding board or spitballing ideas is I love the ability to go back and forth with people and talk about different ideas and kind of bring them together and then see, Hey, does that implement or can that work on my farm there? Whereas, you know, we might not look at mentorship right now as, as you know, I'm going to directly learn from someone. However, we might look at it as a peer to peer conversation. So I think about, I had a meeting today and it was with um, the Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association and all the board members got together. Good friend of ours, which we're going to have on the podcast eventually. Her name is Gretchen. She's a hoot. Um, she was talking about how she got a new propane um, uh, dehorner. So we were talking about that, and we were talking about all these things, and we're talking about research studies, and we're just bouncing ideas and experiences off of each other. I look at that as a way to be an informal mentor towards a group. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, Totally. Totally. And it's, you know, and that's one of those cases where you just pick up little tidbits of stuff, like little golden nuggets that you can put in your, in your uh, bag of winning ideas and look back on. Or sometimes that mentor is somebody who really works elbow to elbow with you and says, you know what, Um, you've got a great herd of animals. You want to move up to the next level. Okay, let's talk about what that looks like. And this is my perspective on how you can get there. Um, so I, you know, I, I 
just really cannot say enough about having somebody who is a mentor who will have those tough conversations with you. Um, they're, they're not necessarily going to, going to go out of their way to be your friend, but they're going to be that person who, um, gives you a different perspective and maybe a larger perspective than what you currently have. Yeah. I, that's Laura, an excellent first round draft pick. Okay, Cameron, who do you pick? Well, I think it'll be no surprise to the listeners and Laura, my, and Laura, my number one draft pick is going to be your veterinarian. Um, granted, I live with my veterinarian. Uh, however, with changes coming down the pipeline with um, obviously the new rules and uh, antimicrobial stewardship that are coming down and they're pulling obviously penicillin off the shelves, um, th- there's going to be a lot of changes and, and goat producers as a whole are going to have to have even tighter relationships with their veterinarian and really make sure they're working with their veterinarian on those correct protocols now. In addition to that, it's really important that um, you work with a veterinarian in terms of your kidding schedules. If you're doing anything um, like Laura and myself do as it pertains to induced kidding, if we do do that, or um, you know what happens if things go awry, or how do you use specific drugs there, um, and even in cases of emergency as well, it's so important because again, the the one call you don't want to make is to a veterinarian that you do not know and doesn't know you or your farming operation at two o'clock in the morning and it's an emergency, whether it's kidding season or it's some type of weird thing that goats find a way to kill themselves on. Cameron, I was listening to another podcast um, over this past week and I don't even remember which one it was, but they just pretty much came out and said it, there is such a um, veterinary desert places, you know, that vets are in such great demand that truly, if you don't have, it's gotten to the point that if you don't have that relationship with a veterinarian and you have an emergency call, they're probably not going to come. It, it's not, it's not like the ambulance. You can call them. They have to come. You know, a, a veterinarian can say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I don't do farm calls or emergency calls for somebody that I don't have a relationship with. So I, I would agree with you. It is imperative to have a good relationship with your veterinarian. And it needs to be a working relationship, not, oh, I popped in for a bottle of Banamine three years ago and I haven't used it yet. It really needs to be, you know, an annual farm call. It really needs to be a, or maybe a two time a year phone call, a farm call, or not just a, hey, I need some health papers written there. It really needs to be, hey, the, these are the things we go through and this is, this is how we do things. And it really needs to be a partnership there as compared to, yeah, just give me my banamine and move on type thing. Yeah, I can I can see how that would be very important. And additionally, when problems arise, because Laura, you know this better than anybody, that problems are, are going to arise because they're goats and they're dumb. Um, it, it just, it, it really pays to have that relationship because they will want to work with you a lot more and be able to bounce ideas and work to work to remedy situations a lot faster and give them a lot more, I, I don't want to say like willingness, but a lot more uh, making it an easier business decision to work with you rather than pulling their teeth on that. Yes, I would agree. And one thing, and one thing I do want to bring up because we hear it a lot is, well, my vet sucks, or my vet doesn't know, doesn't isn't isn't good at goats, or or X Y Z. There, I will tell you that you can go out and and you may have a veterinarian that is 
a longer distance away from you. But if they feel, if you feel like they can better serve your needs, that to me is okay. Do you agree with that, Laura? Yes, I would agree with that. And I also feel like that, you know, when, when you're looking for a vet, that's a good fit for you. You need to have those conversations with them. You know, find a vet that respects you as a breeder, that respects your breeding program, and that you also respect their opinion. Um, and let that veterinarian know, these animals are important to me, but I also, you know, if, if there's a point where you feel like that there's not going to be a return on my investment in this animal, I want you to be honest with me and let me know that. There are some vets who... Um, might take the compassion that most dairy goat owners have as, oh, this person is raising livestock, but they're more like a dog owner and they're going to spend any amount of money that it takes to get this animal to survive where maybe that's not what your goal is. Maybe it is, but you need to have those conversations with your veterinarian. Um, don't assume that they know anything about you, you know, just be upfront. This is what my goal. This is what my goal is. This is what I, this is what I hope to do. And, um, you know, if it's not a good fit, thank them for their time and find somebody else. that is. just like you said though, Cameron, yeah. if you have to drive a little bit farther for an outstanding vet, that's okay. Yeah. And I will tell you, my dad does that as well. And we did that growing up. One thing, if you're new to an area, if you're new into goats, don't be afraid to vet shop. I think that's important too. And say, Hey, you know, uh, XYZ clinic, I really didn't like the service they gave me or, you know, they weren't, you know, they didn't ask me a lot of questions or I don't feel like I developed a good relationship with them. Don't be afraid to go to another vet clinic. You're not bound and tied to one specific veterinarian or one specific clinic either. You know, don't be afraid to shop. Around. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my first, that's my, that's my number one pick. And that's and that too. However, I do have the third pick. So I think we're ready to move on. Are we good to finish talking about vets? I think we're good to move on, Cameron. I'm excited to hear who your next one is because I have no idea. Yes. Yeah, so this one, to me, my dad and, and a lot of my mentors no, – excuse me, it wasn't my dad. It was Kirk Schnipke. He said to me, and I remember this very vividly. I remember what we were doing because we were talking around the tack pen in 2019 because we were at the Indiana State Fair. And he said to me, if you want good goats – you need to go out and find the best possible hay in the world that you can afford, even if you have to eat peanut butter sandwiches and eat ramen every night. But if you want the best goats, you go out and buy that best hay. So with that in my mind, my number three pick in the draft, number two for num my, my second round selection is going to be my hay dealer. Your hay dealer. Ooh. So how do you find that? How do you find that amazing hay dealer? Well, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to your network there, talking with your local area. And if you have fellow goat breeders, maybe you have a mentor that, that buys hay too. Um, talking with them and visiting with them. One thing I've also found, especially after moving to a new area, is just looking on Facebook. And, and Laura, you've used Craigslist, Craigslist before to go find hay, correct? I have. I've used Craigslist and, and I know that here in Missouri, there's like a Missouri hay sellers list on Facebook and they have amazing hay there from all over the Midwest. So, um, you know, don't, don't count out social media for a, a great way to get it. Your local feed store might have somebody that, you know, they may know who grows the best hay in the area. They may know, you know, at times when we've had hay shortages and I'm just looking everywhere that I can totally find it. My hay guy has saved me many times. 
Or, I mean, I'm sorry, my feed store guy has saved me. Oh, so-and-so's got some hay. And, and you know, that was perfect. So use your resources. I think it's important when you have that, I don't want to say that trusty source of hay, but you know this guy produces good quality hay. You like the quality. Your goats like the quality. That, to me, is the most important thing. You may say this looks like trash, but if your goats love it, why, why are you arguing with the res- and you get the results you want? Why are you arguing with it? <laughs> For sure. But, but I think it's really important once you have, you know, kind of bought your initial and you say, hey, Mr. I'm going to use my hay guy, for example, his name's Louie. He's 87 years old. He complains to me why he makes so much hay. Um, but I think he also makes a lot of other green doing it too. By that, I mean money, not other types of green. Um, but he, he, we're going to go to Louie and we're going to be like, hey, Louie, I need 700 bales of your second, third, or fourth cutting hay. You know, I could take them off the rack wagon. I could pick them up in the field. Tell me what you need. Can you help me with that or not? And being transparent in your situation with your hay, with your hay guy, I think that's really, really important. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would. And again, you know, just stay stay in communication with them. If there's something that you don't like about the hay, say, hey, you know, this last load I got had a little bit more grass than I want. So what do you have that might suit me better? Many times I've found over the years that hay guys think the old goat tin can eating they'll eat anything is really what goats are and it takes some education sometimes that you know they really want that prime alfalfa so um you know communicate well with your hay person let them know what you're looking for yeah and i think one thing as well that i always recommend to people is if you're going to go buy hay from somebody for the first time always start with a hey my name is this i raise i raise goats i raise dairy goats looking for hay I would like to come see the hay first before I buy it. Wouldn't you agree, Laura? Very much so. Or, you know, ask if you can try five bales and pay whatever they whatever they ask for those bales of hay. And, uh, you know, don't don't hesitate to give them feedback. Well, this isn't what I'm looking for, but this is what I'm looking for. So, yeah, I, you know, a couple. Yes. Yeah, so a couple things to glean from this here. One, talk, talk to your hay person, tell them how much you need. Maybe also tell them a little bit about your storage situation as well. I know, Laura, you don't have the most optimal storage in your barn would you, for hay. Wouldn't you say that's correct? Yeah, not at all. I don't have, I don't have hardly any storage. So, you know, when I let them know, hey, I can only take 50 to 60 bales at a time, but I, if, if your hay works for me, I will buy 50 to 60 bales from you every couple of weeks or so. I'll come pick it up. I'll load it myself, whatever it takes to, to make this relationship. But I really would like to have a long-term hay relationship. And to, to uh, go back on something that you said, Cameron, I've learned over the years that if you tell the guys that you are willing to come and load out of the field, sometimes that is like the golden kiss of, yes, I will work with you because nobody likes to load hay out of the field and then have to load it back onto your truck later on. So if you can be there to help pick it up, on those hot days out of the field, they love you forever. Yeah, I, I agree. I I often approach people and I say, hey, if I pick it up out of the field, will you knock a dollar off or something like that? Just so they don't have to stack it. And sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. So don't be afraid to ask the questions as well there. And, um, I, you know, I think it's really important. Unfortunately, at least in my opinion, I feel like the price of hay has went up drastically within the last three years. 
Yes, I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. But in in their defense, I the cost of producing hay has gone up terribly. You know, not just not just the gasoline to you know run the tractors or the diesel or whatever, but you know seed and labor and time. I mean, it's all gone up in price. So, um, you know, I think that's just unfortunately part of what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Cost of doing business is what I always like to say. Um, that's all I got. I, yeah. you know, establish that relationship with your hay guy, hey person, excuse me. Um, make sure you're transparent with how much you need from them as well there. And and tell them about your, your stacking situation or your storage situation. Um, and three, you know, maybe, I don't know, Laura, if you've ever done this, have you ever pre-bought hay before? I have, yes. And it, was that a good strategy yeah. for you? It was. Yep. Yeah. It was a very good strategy. Yeah. And we've done that as well there. Maybe look to pre-buy hay. Maybe, hey, I got a, I got a big check or I sold some goats, which we always hope we sell goats. But, uh, <laughs> um, um, hey, I sold some goats. Can I, can I pre-buy, you know, X number of bales of hay? Right. I got my tax return. Yes. You know, let's, let's uh, look at doing that. There's, there's lots of, lots of things. And, and many times people really appreciate uh, having that money at a time when, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily expecting it. So yeah, absolutely. There on that. So that's all I got for my number, my number two, my, my, my next, my number two pick. Okay. So I get to pick again, right? Uh, yeah. Your pick. Yep. Mine. Okay. So my next pick is I'm going to call them your ride or die bestie. The person who's always game to talk goats at two in the morning when you're waiting out in the barn the person who is your biggest cheerleader when you get quadruplet does out of your very um, desired AI breeding, the person that if you want to go on a road trip that, to buy a new animal and everybody else thinks it's ridiculous, they're like, okay, when are you going to pick me up? Let's head out. You, everybody needs somebody who is their biggest cheerleader in, in their dairy goat project. That's what I think. What do you think, Cameron? Oh yeah. I, I think that's really fun. And I'm, I'm thankful that my, my wife is my biggest cheerleader or the one that questions all my decisions. Um, but Laura, hasn't it been fun feeling like, I know I'll maybe make an assumption here. And I apologize for that, but wouldn't you agree that some of your daughters have been your ride or die bestie in times? Um, at times. And then they're also, but they also are the ones who keep me honest, you know, um, mom. Now we said that we weren't going to keep blah, 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 blah. And now I hear you doing that. So, you know, come on, what's changed? Why did you change your mind? Oh, okay. You know, sometimes your ride or die, sometimes your ride or, ride or die is going to keep you accountable, but, um, you know, I really appreciate them the most because they're the they're the ones who will cheer just as loud as I do when something happens ha happy happens. But then they're also the ones who are there with their arms around you when you lose your favorite dough or you have to make a really hard decision and they understand. So everybody needs somebody like that. Gotcha here. So when you say how do you how do you come how do you create that relationship of a ride or die bestie or does it just happen over time and organically you know i do think it happens over time um i i think that and sometimes that ride or die person isn't even a goat person cameron and i've seen that before have you have you seen that with people that that it may be somebody who 
just celebrates you as a person celebrates you as a friend and is excited to see you passionate about something. So they're always the person who's going to say yes, when you need a partner in crime to go do something, it doesn't have to be a goat person. It's fun if it is, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree. And maybe it's a, I I love that expression, ride or die, because I, I see a lot of the, the, I don't want to say the partnerships, but the ride or die relationships out there in the world. Um, and, and it's fun to see them because they're, they're always gassing you up and they're always, well, they can either be gassing up your car or gassing up just your goats or what, you know what I'm saying in there. Um, but, but it's, but it's right. So if, yeah, if, if you say, I want to, I want to drive out to Pennsylvania and pick up a goat, they're like, okay, I got time off work. Let's go you know, and they'll help dry and drive and they'll bring the good roadside snacks with you and just have a good time. So, um, that ride or die may or may not be good for your pocketbook because they may not tell, you no at a time that they should, (laughs) but they're always there to be your biggest cheerleader and everybody needs a cheerleader. Oh, totally. I, I agree on that there. Speaking of snacks, I got called out today as someone said that I had really good snacks when I go to a goat show. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but they are important. Don't you agree? Especially when your ride or die is there. But I, you know, I really feel like that, man, snacks are so personal. You know, what's, what's a great snack for one person may just be terrible for the next person. So you got to know what's good and, and keep, keep your homies happy. So um, I know that my daughters absolutely think that um, orange creamsicle Twizzlers are terrible. And that is my favorite um, goat show snack. So, you know, you, you got to pick what keeps your keeps your team happy, I guess. I, I thought your favorite goat show snack was ketchup flavored potato chips. Oh, yes. But I can't hardly ever get those. I mean, I just I, I can't find them around here at all. So, you know. Gotta gotta um rely on my friends to help me find those when when it's when it's um able to happen like that and it doesn't happen very often so anyway not like cosmic brownies everybody can find the cosmic brownies yeah okay um, yeah I know I know we loaded up the last time we were kidding we uh, sorry for the tangent of snacks people but it's a very important tangent um we we um. Didn't have any snacks when we were kidding. There was no caffeine in the house last time. And it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm just passed out on the couch. Um, and Catherine gets back from a call, and she's just like, she's like, okay, I'll just go ahead in the barn for a little bit. No caffeine or anything. It was it was terrible. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call from her, and she's like, bring some more towels. And I'm like, okay. I bring some more towels and pass that on the couch because there was no caffeine or snacks in the house. How do you do that? That's terrible. I know. So this time we put a lot of snacks. We got a bag of Oreos, cosmic brownies, Swiss rolls, and zebra cakes and a lot of soda. Oh, so do you guys, did you stack up on those little white cakes that they have at Valentine's Day? The little heart shaped ones? Cause those are really good too. Oh, I didn't even think about those. Those are good too. They're just like zebra cakes. Like they're just so yummy. I know, but, but they're pretty and pink. That's so, you know. True. That's very true. Um, okay. Your snack person is my next. No, I was kidding. Uh, um, Laura, you oh, – are we good from ride or die? Do I get another pick? Yeah, you get another pick. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay. So, my next pick is your relief chore person. That's a good one. That was, that was mine. That was on my list. That's a good one right there. 
I bested you on this one, my friend. You've got to have dependable chore help. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I I think it's so important because, again, you want to get away for goat shows. You want to get away for family. You want to get away for vacation. It's so important that you get away from your goats. And I hate, excuse me, I hate that I even say that, but sometimes these dang things drive me crazy. Well, you know, too much of anything is not good. So even though you love your goats to pieces, uh, especially if maybe the significant other in your life isn't necessarily uh, your hardcore goat person too. And even if they are, it's important to get away, you know, take the muck boots off, don't have manure on your jeans, maybe dress up a little bit and go out and, you know, get pizza and a pitcher of beer or something like that. But do something away from the goats once in a while and have somebody dependable enough that you don't have to worry about when you get home that there's going to be a big mess to have to take care of. Um, and, you know, I would I would say as you come up with that dependable chore person, pay them well. You want them to want to do this again. Yeah, I was just going to say that's my one thing on relook chore people. Pay them well. Um, it's hard. Milking sucks sometimes. I'll just be honest. <laughs> Um, it does. And, you know, if you don't have a milking machine, if you have more than four goats and you're going to have somebody who doesn't milk come chore for you, you really need to think about a milking machine. That is a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree there. So uh, Laura, any ideas on how to find a relief chore helper? Oh, well, I think there's several venues you can take. One could be um, start with your family first, you know, because they love you and they know how much joy the goats bring you in your life. So if they're willing to chore for you, that's always a good place to start. Right. Do you, would you agree with that or no? Yeah, I I would agree. Except my family hates the goats and hates me. No, I was kidding. No. Um, <laughs> uh I know, but I I know what you're saying. Yeah, that that makes sense to me there on that. Yeah. So beyond that, you know, if you have neighbors, especially if you have neighbors with kids who are responsible in high school, that can be a great thing. And you never know that partnership may be a mutually beneficial partnership. Like if they really like choring for you and you pay them well, that could be a great project for their FFA, um, SAE. Um, it could be a great 4-H project for them. It could just be something that they enjoy to do. And, and you know, maybe down the road, it might grow into something bigger for them. They might have goats themselves down the road. So, you know, people in your community, uh, you can always reach out to 4-Hers. You can reach out to your local high school if they have a vo- vocational agriculture program. Um, you know, and word of mouth. Here's an example of that. Um, you know, I... I had dairy goats when I was in 4-H, of course, and my dad, God bless him, would milk my goats for me when I used to judge shows. And and he didn't he went to shows once in a while with me, but it was never his bag. But he loved his daughter, so he was willing to milk for me. And uh next door to him, some people moved in and they had a nice little herd of Nigerian dwarf goats. 
And so my dad went over there one day and was talking to him and said, oh, my daughters had goats when they were in 4-H. And I always thought they were really neat animals and so, so friendly and curious and everything. So she had him do chores for him several times. And that was just, you know, kind of a happy accident for her that her neighbor happened to have goats. And um, that all went great until they started freshening. And she asked my dad to chore when they were on vacation. And uh, for a, a guy who is used to milking Nubians with great big long teats to milk Nigerians that have teats the size of his thumb, um, thumb joint, tiny, tiny teats. Uh, when they got back from vacation, he said, I'm hanging up my chore my chore gloves, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but you, my point with this is you may find somebody in your community that nostalgically remembers when they had goats growing up or their kids had goats, and they might be willing to chore for you too. <laughs> You've got experience though in finding new chore people, Cameron, because like you're in a, a brand new area there. So how did you go about that? Uh, I got lucky. Uh, well, that's my first thing. Um, two, I was, I judged the neighboring County fair, which was nice. And I got to know some of the kids through that there. And, and they, we just were talking and visiting and, and kind of getting to know the area there. And two of them really stuck out to me. I took references as well from some of the other people, uh, around the area and said, Hey, will this person work? Will this person work? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had some connections as well. So, um, I, it's not like I didn't know what I was looking for, but I, I I knew that I knew I needed to find somebody that was super dependable. So I and I knew I I knew what I was looking for, and I knew the type of people I wanted. So I was thankful I found them. Um, again, I don't know if they're long term because they show goats just like just like I do. Um, but uh, they they are good people nonetheless, and they they have friends as well. So yeah. Ah, so maybe if they can't do it, then their friends would be willing to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of how my dad does it. I will tell you, he gets spread. Well, he's also the principal, so but he also pays them really, really well <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to milk his goats when he's gone. So um, that that's how he does that. And, and he goes and he finds a kid. Maybe he does sports. Maybe he just needs some extra money. Maybe he, he's in the FFA chapter and he lives close to us. And he's like, hey, do you want to come do chores for me? I'll train you here and I'll pay you for that. And I'll pay you to, to milk the goats and I'll pay you 50 bucks in milking. And yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, – I'm up next. My, yep, my third round pick is going to be either your grain supplier or your nutritionist you work with. And Laura, I, I, I guess I've definitely, do you work with like a, because I, I don't know the, the structure there out in Missouri. Where do you get your feed from? So I have a couple of different places I get feed. I have had a local Purina dealer, dealer that um, I've bought my feed from in the past, and um, they're awesome to work with. Anything I want to order in, they'll try and get it for me. Um, after I dried my does off, I move them to a lower quality feed, and I get that from my local Missouri Farm or Farmers Association, MFA, and uh, they have a a decent dairy flake that they pick up for me. So um, they will do custom blends for me. Um, they don't offer quite the array of um, services that I think you guys have access to up there in Wisconsin. And it could just be that I haven't had the right people to ask here, but I don't feel like I have a good nutritionist. So that should be somebody that I sh should get 
get on my team. Yeah, I think it's really important, especially, and I think it's even more important when you're working in extremes as well. So if you live in the south or if you live in a a cold area, because some of those bagged feeds necessarily aren't going to give you some of the, you know, the extra stuff you're going to need. You know, maybe you need more, um, you know, boss, for example, I don't want to say boss, but maybe you need more boss, for example, that for, to improve skin or hair coat, uh, there, or, you know, working with a local nutritionist on that to kind of tailor some of the either specific, um, either make a custom mix or being able to, um, adapt or say, Hey, my goats really need this. I think it's really, really important. Um, cause it's really just going to optimize what you're doing. I'm going to tell you that I have, um, an incredible, um, feed dealership that I work with. Um, they're, they're great. They answer our questions. We were just in there on Saturday actually. And what we did is we were looking for a starter grain for our kids. Um, just kind of trying it out and, he opened. He would open up a bag for us, and we could look at it. We could feel it. We could see textures. We could smells. Um, I was the weird person that tasted it always there, um, but but we could we could determine what that what was in that bag, so we could kind of see hey what we were getting before we fed it. Um, so that's awesome, and I think a, a good relationship. Well, yeah, a good relationship with your feed dealer or a nutritionist I think is so vital in order to maximize performance of dairy goats. So Cameron, if somebody had no idea how to find that person, where would they even start to get a good feed to, to get a good nutritionist? So I think the first thing is you need to talk to your network of goat people in your area. That's numero uno thing for me. Like that's, that's what you got to do. Um, number two, I think the, the the next big thing is um, looking at your local feed dealers as well and seeing if you have a nutritionist as well there. And I feel like the good, the best availability to go find a nutritionist is going to be working with a, a dealer and, and working with their on kind of their their nutritionist on on staff there, unless they want to go to somewhere bigger and work kind of on a, a place that'll do more custom blends. Okay. So for example, I will tell you, and I'll use Catherine as an example here. She's not in the room right now, but she worked with a nutritionist out of Indiana with Hunter, um, Hunter feeds there. And they would, they would actually ship in all of their grain for them. Um, and she would work with it, changing the ration based on the season and the time of year that they need the quantity they needed as well. The only problem with working with a nutritionist, in my opinion, is that you have to, or in most places, only mix feed a ton at a time. So if you're doing a complicated ration or if you're doing something special, you've got to order a ton of it, which for six goats, that's a lot. Yeah. And then again, you have to have the place to store it. You have to be able to keep it from molding or getting rodents into it or all of those other things too that that does add to some challenges with that yes but i think having a good grain facility and you kind of know what their quality you're getting there uh, you kind of know what the what the feed tag says and what's coming out of it if you're missing anything if you need to add anything from a, a, a nutritional standpoint or you need to add supplements there or you need to do more mineral blocks or X, Y, Z there. I think it's so important to have that there. And then being able to work with you as well. I know um, we do uh, – the delivery we have is super nice. 
up here. Um, the ability to ask questions is really nice and, and kind of work with them and tailor for them. And they'll actually order any product with the products that they carry. So like they deal feed for Cargill. And if you've got a Cargill product, they'll actually order it. Oh, wow. How nice is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, again, I will say that to me, I think a, you know, a nutritionist, grain person, so important to have on your team. Yeah. I, sounds like a good person to know. I'll work on that. Yeah. Um, so I am up next here in the snake draft. Um, I am going to say the next person you need to have on your team is your biggest competitor. Does that make sense, Laura? Ooh, that's, that's, that's an interesting person. So I think I know where you're going to go with this, but I'm going to ask you to explain it more. Yeah, absolutely. There. I, I think your biggest competitor is the person that is going to drive you to be really the best there. For example, I one of our, our good goat friends, Laura and I's good goat friends, is Craig Copeman. However, Craig Copeman is also one of our biggest competitors there. But the ability to pick his brain from a genetic perspective, the ability to talk about feeding or the ability to talk about swapping goats left, right, center there or adding in traits and kind of having those conversations, they're only going to drive you to be better. And they're not only going to do that, but they're going to pass along other information in those informal conversations that you're having as well. Um, so to me, I, I think a person, you want to beat them. However, they're going to continue to drive success in your breeding operation and continue to push you to be a better breeder because of that healthy competition that's created. So it's almost kind of like uh, honing honing a knife. You're sharpening yourself off of that person that you're competing with. Iron iron sharpens iron is my is what I've always been told. So Yeah, I can see that. I can see that very much. And you know, I think Cameron, um, I don't know if you've seen these memes on Facebook lately, but um over the past week or so, I've seen this several times that people have posted and it talks about, you know, if you are showing against somebody in the show ring. Don't, you know, don't look at this as a negative thing. And I'm totally botching how I'm saying this. But uh, what I got out of it was you are making each other better. Celebrate their wins just like you celebrate your own wins. You know, we all want to take home that that rosette, that champion leg, that uh, best of breed or best in show. All of us do. That's why we that's why we show. We hope that we're the one who's successful. But at the end of the day, those friendships that you make are so much more important. And, and you're right. You know, you can learn from your competitors. You can see where your animals need to make those improvements and, and really celebrate them. I like that is having your competitor thinking about them as a member of your team. That's making your herd better. Yeah. I, I think again, I, iron sharpens iron. They're going to make you be better. They're going to help you get to where you need to be because they're going to continue to push you to go beyond your goals uh, there as well, whether you want to exceed in the milk room or you want to exceed in, in the show ring, or maybe you just want to beat them in LA scores or, or, or whatever. They're going to make you better by pushing you to become a better breeder and making you choose to make that next good decision of having the best breeding program. So I think having your, your biggest competitor as a member of your team, though, kind of, kind of worded weirdly, I think it really helps you go further. I, I can see that. Laura, you're up next. What's your number four? Okay, my turn? Yeah. All right. So this one might be kind of weird, but I think you need to have a good mechanic on your team. Okay. Okay. Somebody, 
whether that's somebody in your house who is really good at making sure that your trailer, your vehicle, um, <laughs> your milk stand, if you need welding done on that or parts fixed on it, who know how to fix your milking machine, um, if whether they're in your house or uh, it's somebody on the outside that's really a mechanical whiz, I think there's always going to come a time when you need somebody to come fix things for you. Uh, so knowing who that person is, and again, compensating them well, sometimes there's, oh, you don't owe me anything. Okay, well, uh, take them take dinner. Or what was it you said you pay your brother with? A prime uh, rib? Prime rib dinner, yeah. 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 Um, make sure... Make sure that when you have those people in your life that they're really good. And, you know, it may be several some people. Like, uh, I've got a really great guy here in town that builds trailers. And um, every couple of years, I take my trailer to him and he goes over it with a fine-tooth comb. He um, makes sure that my lights are all wired correctly. He makes sure that the plug that plugs into my truck for my truck, for my trailer lights is, is where it needs to be. He repacks my bearings. He checks the brakes and makes sure that everything is, is in top shape before I take it out each year. And so I think it's really important that you have somebody who's able to do that. Okay. That's a, that's a good choice there. And I think that's the thing that's often overlooked, especially growing up. And my, my grandfather was always that and always fixing stuff or, you know, running the machinery or, or, you know, running skid steers or, um, you know, always doing that. He was, he was definitely kind of the glue guy as well there. And when, you know, when he decided to slow down or when his body forced him to slow down is probably a better way to put it. We definitely lost a lot of things there. So, um, last week when I was in Ohio, I thought of him the entire time as I was changing my tire on the side of the road. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, kind of along that, that note, um, if you didn't grow up being taught how to change tires, how to check the oil or the windshield washer fluid or um, the air pressure in your tires or basic vehicle maintenance, I would challenge you before you go out to show season next year, find somebody to teach you these kind of things. You know, try to think think ahead. What would I do if I blew a, if I blow a, a tire on my trailer or how do I change a tire on my truck? Or, um, gosh, I only have, um, I only have a donut. What do I do with that? And, and just try to work through those scenarios. Cause you know, and I know eventually it's going to catch up with you and you're going to have to deal with that sometime. Right. And I always, we always made fun of my grandpa for like trying to explain how to do it. And I will tell you, and I don't, we, we weren't, we had the podcast at that point, but we, my dad and I very calmly, very calmly, when we blew that first tire going to the Indiana State Fair a couple of years ago, we're just like, hey, we know how to do this because he had walked us through it about 17 times in his most Byron way possible, if you know Byron Jedlowski. Um, and he walked us through it and we just did it. And we had the tire changed in about 25 minutes and we did not yell at each other once, which was a miracle. And we are the least mechanical people that, that, that you, that are on this planet. However, because we have had that mechanic person in our lives, we, we knew how to do it. We knew the steps to go forward and we were good to go. Yeah. I think that's, that's just really important. So, um, 
Yeah. I have, do I have one more pick, Cameron? You have one more pick. Yep. Okay. So this is my last one. And um, not to sound hokey, but I, it's just, I'm just going to lay, lay this out here. You need somebody uh, on your home side who um, really celebrates those goats with you. It may not be a goat person, but somebody that, that, um, you know, is, is at home taking care of the home fires, maybe not the chores, but uh, gives you the extra money when you need it. Cause you had, you just had this animal you had to buy or um, who understands that, giving you six months of goat feed is a really great Christmas present because I had that one year for Christmas. That was awesome. Um, you know, those people at home who may think that your hobby is a little bit on the crazy side, but love you regardless. I think having that person in your corner is always pretty dang important. See, I had that same exact person as my fifth one, but I called it the grounding rod. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's probably a better way of explaining it than what I'm trying to fumble through and explain. They just, they don't necessarily, my dad always taught me, and this is not to, I love my wife. I'm going to say that right now on the podcast for everyone to hear. Um, But my dad always taught me that you don't need to find someone that that loves the goats. You just have to find someone that tolerates the goats. So um, they just kind of have to be your grounding rod. And whether they're there when things are good or when things are bad there, they just help keep you grounded when things are not, when things are not normal. Right. Yes. I think, I I think that's um, sometimes the unsung, unsung hero on your team. Yeah, it was interesting. I was watching, um, I don't know if you've met her or not, but I have multiple times. She's a hoot. Um, Beth, she raises Nigerian dwarfs and she lives in Georgia. And her husband, uh, from what I take it, I've never met the man, appears to be not be into the goats. However, um, he was out there because she broke her leg or something. She, he, she, he was out there feeding like all these Nigerian dwarf babies. And she was like, oh man, I love this man. He's so nice to be out here helping me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a grounding rod there. That's the person you need. Yeah, it is. It is. And again, they don't have to be a goat person, but they have to love the goat person. Yeah, that that is just so important. And they will tell you when you are getting too – and they're very real with you. Does that make sense? Oh, very much so, yes. And and, and they'll, call, they'll call you on your goat crap, for lack of better terms. For sure, yes. So that's, I think that's my last pick on there, Cameron. Who do you have? Anybody we haven't hit yet? I've got one more pick and I had the grounding rod as my fifth pick there. So now I have to come up with another pick. And you mentioned the chore help, which was on my list. Um, You know, your ride or die. uh, That's really, really important there. Uh, My fifth pick though is, and I think this is so important. I'm going to go, my fifth person on my team has to be my photographer. (laughs) oh yeah i think i you know if you like to show goats at a high level and you they were the people that you will fight with the most about any any way shape or form most of the time it's a spouse or a loved one but i mean if you had just one one person that could be i mean it's got to be your photographer yes Oh my goodness. And 
you know, woe to you if you're photographers, your kids. I love my kids and I love doing goats with my daughters, but oh my gosh, that, that is just hard. That is a hard relationship. My, so my 2023 resolution was to get more pictures of the goats, which I'm sure my social media loves. Um, and they probably think I'm weird for getting all these pictures of the goats, but, um, it was to take more pictures and just take less of them at shows and more of them in the barn and their working clothes really just like, like show off just to have more pictures. And so I, I sent Laura this actually, I spent some time yesterday actually going through and organizing all of my iCloud library and I actually break it up by year of pictures. So I'll put all of my 2021 pictures in one album so I can look back. And it's kind of like a digital um, photo uh, photo album. My dad my dad has all the hard copies of years. And I've got you know years 2014 through 2023 now of all the pictures of the goats uh, in, in my iCloud. So I can look at them in my iCloud and see them and go through. Or if I need to draw up pictures or if I need to remember a goat, I can go find it really quickly there. So – um, I, sp- I spent some time doing that, but in 2023, getting back to why I'm drafting them for my team here is in 2023, I want to take more pictures of my goats, um, even though I know I will be behind the camera and we were tracking to get more, we, like we got our maternity pictures, which I really wanted to like take a maternity picture and then Photoshop a buck in like hugging the back end awkwardly like they do it with those human <laughs> pictures. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I hear you. I wanted, I wanted to do that just really awkwardly. <laughs> uh, but I didn't. So like I you know, I think a photographer is really gonna help you sell goats. And I also think it's gonna help you capture the moment better, especially when you're in the show ring, because you don't have a photographer uh, at right there, or um, you know, maybe you want a nice ring shot or, or something like that. So having a photographer on your goat team, I think is really helpful. Well, you know, kind of along with that, today um, I had lunch with my middle daughter, Madeline, and we were talking about um, a doe that we finished last year and sold to an amazing and amazing 4-H family. Um, It's always hard to sell those mature does that are finished, but this doe is going to do great things for her, I think. And we were talking about when she was a yearling and, and my daughter, Madeline, was able to go back and pull up pictures that we pulled up where she just looked oh my gosh, you couldn't believe that it's the same goat. And I said, these kind of pictures are so important because they remind us how much animals change over time and how the good features that you can see a little inkling of maybe as a yearling, um, but they just don't have it all put together yet, how it really can come together to make a beautiful doe when they hit maturity. And, and if you don't have those pictures, you never get to see that kind of a thing. So I applaud you for wanting to make sure that photography is a part of your team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't think of anything last minute. So that's why I pulled that in. But I, I feel like it's pretty, I felt like it was pretty good. Cause you took my last one. Uh, sorry about that. Hey, no, brilliant no. minds think alike or whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Laura, this was fun. Wasn't it? This was fun. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I hope that our listeners thought it was a fun thing too. And, and, you know, again, really just think about who's on your team. Um, Give lots of thank yous and kudos and couldn't do it without you to your team members, because anybody who's on a team needs to hear how valued they are. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I thank my wife. I, I thank my wife every day for being on my team, mostly because she, 
starts the milk for me in the morning when she goes to work. So, um, um, but, but again, thank your team members. Um, thank them now. Thank them. Thank them then. Thank them when you need them. Uh, it, it's so important. And if you're new to goats, look to build that team of your own there and they can extend beyond what Laura and I talked about, but these are just some ideas here as well. Yes. Very much so. And, you know, over time, your team members may change too, depending on what needs you have. But um, get that team of people behind you and move on to a successful winning year. Yeah, absolutely. As always, Goat Gabbers, thank you so much for joining us this week. We appreciate your time each week you spend with us. If you have any feedback, let us know. Um, Drop us a, a comment, a Facebook message. Uh, leave us a review as well there. Um, we're available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever uh, anybody gets their podcasts. Yes. And um, look forward to some more exciting episodes coming forward. Um, it, it's always fun to plan things. And uh, I think, Cameron, don't we have another breed spotlight coming up in the next few weeks? Yeah. So more on that. So. As always, um, have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Goat Gab.